Welcome to the preaching podcast of Poplar Springs Baptist Church in Hiram, Georgia, and the preaching ministry of our senior pastor, Wayne Meadows. It is our desire that the message you hear today would call you to a closer walk with Jesus Christ, and that your life would give glory to God as you apply the biblical truths proclaimed. For more information about the ministry of Poplar Springs Baptist Church, check us out on the web, www.psbchurch.net. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the preaching of God's Word. If you have a Bible with you tonight, I want to encourage you to open it with me to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. I want to remind you that this Sunday... Uh, we'll be giving to our Annie Armstrong Easter offering. And uh, if you uh, didn't pick up a prayer guide for North American missionaries, North American church planners, I would encourage you to look at our front welcome desk or our back welcome desk before you leave, and uh, you'll find one of these pamphlets there. And if you open it up, you'll find seven missionaries uh, who work through the North American Mission Board, which the Annie Armstrong Easter offering goes to support, uh, that you can pray for. And knowing that we're going to give to missions on Sunday and uh, knowing that uh, missions is a vital part of what we do here at Poplar Springs, uh, I want to take some time tonight to help us understand how we can better pray for our missionaries and for our church planters. Uh, How we can better pray for our missionaries and church planters. And I, I want to start tonight in Romans 15. And then we'll go to Acts chapters 13 and 14. So maybe if you want to uh, flip there and hold a, a finger or a thumb or place a bookmark there, we'll, we'll go there in just a few minutes. But tonight I want you to hear uh, the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 15. Now, when we think of Romans, we first think of the, the theological truths that Paul unpacks for us there. I mean, it is perhaps the greatest theological work that has ever been penned. 11 chapters of gospel glories, 11 chapters of, of a gospel gold mine, if you will. Paul just plums the depths of the gospel, chapter after chapter after chapter. And then starting in chapter 12, he gives us the practical application of the gospel in our lives as believers. And then when he comes near the end, in chapters 15 and 16, he closes out his letter in a familiar fashion. He's uh, giving his benediction. He's offering uh, words of encouragement personally. But we find something interesting in the closing words of Paul in Romans 15 and 16. Paul's motivation for pinning this letter uh, seems to have been not primarily to impart the theological truths which he does, although that was certainly there, I believe, but his, his motivation in writing Romans was to encourage the believers at Rome in the advancement of the gospel, in his missionary endeavors. Paul had a desire to get the gospel to Spain, to take it further than he ever had. And he knew that to get to Spain, he needed to get to Rome. And from Rome, he could get there. So he's writing and he tells them at the end of Romans 15, I hope to get to Spain and on my way, I'm going to stop and see you. So Paul has missions in mind. Getting the gospel uh, to others was at the forefront of his thinking as he penned the letter of Romans. And I want you to listen to what he says in Romans 1530. It's a very similar appeal from the apostle that he gave to the believers at Ephesus. As we studied Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 18, 19, and 20, as Paul asked them to pray for him. 
He's doing the same for the believers in Rome. Listen to what the Bible says. Romans 15, verse 30. Romans 15, verse 30. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service from, for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. We hear Paul again, here at the end of a letter, asking for believers to pray for him, but specifically asking them to join with him in prayer to God on his behalf, that he would be delivered and could get the gospel to Spain. That he could, he could get the gospel even further. Paul's asking them to pray for him as a missionary. But what should we pray for when we pray for a missionary? How should we pray for missionaries? Well, I think as we consider the life of Paul, as we consider the missionary journey that he took in Acts 13 and 14, we can discover how we can best pray for them. How we can pray for the uh, North American Mission Board missionaries who are planting churches here in our country. How we can pray for our church planting partners. How we can pray for missionaries who are across the globe tonight, taking the gospel uh, to unreached frontiers. How do we pray for them? How do we strive together with them in prayer? You know, we've often heard it said about missions that if you're not going, you should be giving. And I think that's true. I think if we're not going, we need to be giving to the support of the advancement of the gospel through the work of missionaries. But I think we could add to that as well. We should not only be going, and if we're not going, we should be giving. And in our giving, we should also be praying. We should be praying for the advancement of the gospel and for the missionaries who are taking it to the ends of the earth. But how do we do that? Well, let's go to Acts chapters 13 and 14. Acts chapters 13 and 14. These two chapters record for us the first missionary journey of Paul, the one that he and John Mark and Barnabas set out upon. It was a journey that would last approximately two and a half, almost maybe three years, and would take them on a roughly 1,500-mile trek. And as we read about it tonight in these two chapters, I think we can discover 12 ways that we can pray for our missionaries. 12 ways that we can pray for our missionaries. Now, I know you hear the number 12 tonight, and you're like, whew, that's a lot to go over in my prayer time. Uh, I'm not saying that you've got to include all 12 of these when you're praying for missionaries. Uh, I'm just simply sharing with you tonight 12 ways that you can pray for them. Maybe one or two of these will jump off the page to you tonight as you pray for missionaries, as we pray for them at the end of our service, or, or maybe uh, as you're praying for the, the Annie Armstrong Easter offering, and you're praying for our church planners uh, you pray for a couple of these each time that you remember them. But these are 12 ways that I think any missionary would be encouraged to know they're being prayed for and 12 ways that we can strive with them together in the mission effort. So let's look into Acts chapter 13 and chapter 14 tonight. First of all, pray for our missionaries to have confidence in God's word. Pray for our missionaries to have confidence in in God's word. Acts 13. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, 
Lucius of Cyrene, Mananean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. That's a very eclectic group right there. Uh, One of the things that should strike us out of uh, those names is the diversity at the church at Antioch. Verse 2, Luke tells us, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So here we have the church at Antioch uh, sending out the first missionaries. An intentional send-off of missionaries with the gospel. Now this isn't the first time in Acts that the gospel has spread. Previously, the gospel was spread through persecution Uh, The Christians in in Jerusalem were persecuted, and that scattered them, getting the gospel out of Jerusalem and into Judea. Uh, But here, it's an intentional effort by the church at Antioch to be mission-minded, mission-focused, sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. They send out Barnabas and Saul to take the gospel to others. They pray over them, lay their hands on them, commission them, and they send them off. We come to verse 4. So, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. So the first thing I want you to notice is they began this missionary journey, the first stop. They followed the pattern that would unfold for Paul in every place that he went, preaching first in the synagogues. But he preached to them the word of God, the word of God. As we pray for our missionaries, we need to pray that they would have a great confidence in proclaiming God's word, that the power for their work resides not in pragmatism, not in programs, uh, not in clever ways uh, in which they can engage the culture or even engage the people that they're planning their lives among. But the power in the missionary journey comes as the word of God is proclaimed. Pray that they would have great confidence in the word. Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 55, 11, that the word of the Lord will go out and it shall not return empty, but it will accomplish that which God has purposed for it and shall succeed in the thing for which it is sent. We need to pray that they would have that confidence in the word. Pray that they would trust in God's word to accomplish the task that God has called them to. In Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29, the prophet there said, Is not uh, my word like a fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Pray that they would see God's word like a fire and like a hammer that can consume, that can break Pray that they would have great confidence in God's word, a great prayer that you can lift up on behalf of our missionaries. But then secondly, secondly, how do we pray for missionaries tonight? Pray that they would be filled with God's spirit. Pray that they would be filled with God's spirit. As Luke records for us the events that unfolded on this journey, uh, they come there to the first stop, preach the word of God to Uh, the Jews in the synagogues. And then in verse 5, when they had gone through the whole island as as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus, or son of Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, 
a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elmaeus, the magician, so same guy as Bar-Jesus, Elmaeus, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. Luke tells us that as they were preaching the gospel across the island there, uh, they encountered this unique duo, uh, an, an intellectual uh, leader of the proconsul who was joined with a false prophet, a magician. And uh, this proconsul gentleman, he, he wanted to hear what Paul and Barnabas had to say. Uh, Elmaeus, the magician, uh, didn't want anything to do with that. He was trying to oppose them. Uh, he didn't want the proconsul Sergius to become a believer, to follow after the faith. And in the face of this opposition, Luke tells us that Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit and looked intently at him. We're going to read in just a few minutes uh, what took place in the encounter that ensued as Paul spoke to him. Uh, spiritual warfare taking place. Uh, but in verse 10, it strikes me as somewhat humorous uh, that Paul refers to him as you son of the devil. His name was son of Jesus. And Paul says, you're the son of the devil. That's who you are, buddy. You're not what your name suggests. But Paul looked at him intently, looked at him with a boldness. He was filled with the spirit. And I think one of the ways that we can pray for our missionaries is that they would be filled with God's spirit, that they would be yielded to his leadership, that they would be yielded to his direction, that they would experience his power in their lives and ministries, that it would give them boldness, boldness. One of the things that many of our missionaries are going to face as they're planting churches in unreached communities or going to unreached people groups is opposition. And so they need boldness to speak into the, the lives of those who would stand against or oppose the gospel. So we want to pray that God would fill them with his spirit. They would be yielded to the spirit's work in their lives. Luke tells us he was filled with the spirit and looked intently at him. And then thirdly, we need to pray that they would experience victory in spiritual warfare. That they would experience victory in spiritual warfare. We've obviously talked about spiritual warfare recently in our study on Sunday mornings in Ephesians chapter 6. We have an enemy. We live in enemy-occupied territory. And in this fight, our missionaries, our church planners, are on the very front lines of the battle. They're there preaching and taking the gospel where it has little or no presence. Paul, as he is taking the gospel with Barnabas there to Cyprus, preaching the good news to them. He's facing opposition. He has this magician oppose him. He responds to him in verse 10. You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy. Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? That's who our missionaries are fighting against. That's the enemy's that they're facing enemies of righteousness. 
He says in verse 11, And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. And immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed. And when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. In this conflict between righteousness and evil, in this battle of spiritual warfare, we see Paul and Barnabas prevailing victorious. We need to pray. Pray for our missionaries that God will grant them victory as they fight against the enemy. Pray they would be victorious. And then number four, how do we pray for our missionaries, our church planners? Pray that they would see success in gospel witness. Pray that they would see success in gospel witness. What I mean by that is pray they would see a a result from their works and labors. Pray that they would see a harvest from the investment that they have made. In verse 12, Paul uh, has preached the gospel. He has shared the good news. And now this proconsul, this Sergius, he believes. He believes the good news of Jesus Christ. He was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. You imagine how encouraging it is for our missionaries to, to see those that they're building relationships with, to see those that they're fighting for, to see those that they have invested their time and energy with, to see them come to faith in Jesus Christ, how encouraging that is for them. We need to pray that God would grant them success in gospel witnessing, that they would see a harvest from all of their labors. Pray, pray that they would be successful. Number five. How do we pray for our missionaries? Pray for their relationships. Pray for their relationships with believers and unbelievers. Pray for their relationships with believers and unbelievers. In verses 13 through 15, Luke tells us, Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia, And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch and uh, Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. So this is a, a very interesting part of the journey here that Luke tells us about. We, we get a glimpse into the relationships that are forming and fracturing on this missionary journey. They've left Paphos, they come to Pamphylia, and at that point, John Mark leaves them, Luke tells us in verse 13. John Mark leaves them. This was John Mark, who was the son of Mary, whose house held the prayer meeting that was praying for Peter back in Acts chapter 12 while he was in prison, from which he would be miraculously released. This was John Mark, who was a cousin of Barnabas, who was with Paul on this missionary journey. And at this point, in Paul's mind, he deserts them. He heads back to Jerusalem. We're not told exactly why John Mark left. Uh, Perhaps it was just the difficulty of the journey. Uh, Perhaps uh, some Bible scholars say he was a little bit upset that Paul was leading in this endeavor and not his cousin Barnabas. Uh, Maybe he was just homesick. Maybe he had to get back to mama, if you will. We we don't know. 
But we do know that it, it, it was a great source of, of conflict for Paul and Barnabas later. Because as they would set out on the second missionary journey, Barnabas wanted to bring John along with him. And Paul said, absolutely not. He's not coming. And at that, they separated. They no longer went together in taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. We don't know exactly what happened, but we do know that it led to some conflict. But ultimately, uh, we know that reconciliation and restoration took place. We read that later in Paul's writings, in his epistles. But I think it reminds us that we need to be in prayer for our missionaries and the relationships that they have, even relationships with believers. Those who join with them in maybe their initial launch team or or those who are alongside of them supporting them, that God would foster those relationships, that they would be a, a place of strength and encouragement for them, not a place of difficulty and division. We need to pray that God would guard their relationships. We also need to pray that God would give them good relationships with unbelievers. What we see here in these same verses is that as they came to Pisidian Antioch, they were welcomed into the synagogue. They sat down. They were seeking ways in which they could reach the communities that they were coming into and build relationships with those people that needed the gospel. We need to pray that God would help them in doing that, that he would open doors and opportunities where they could get to know their communities or the cultures that they're investing their lives in. Pray that God would give them relationships with unbelievers that would serve to advance the gospel. So pray for the relationships, both with believers and unbelievers. And then the heart of chapter 13, we see Paul there in the synagogue preaching the gospel. Verse 15 says, after the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, from verse 16 all the way through verse 47 of this chapter, Paul expounds upon the gospel. He shares with them the plan of God, the plan of redemption, how it has unfolded throughout the history of the nation of Israel, what God was doing in bringing his Messiah into this world and how through Christ salvation can be found. As we think about these verses, it reminds us that we need to pray, pray for our missionaries that they will clearly preach the gospel. They will clearly preach the good news of Jesus Christ, for it's only the gospel that saves. Wasn't that what Paul was asking prayer for from the believers at Ephesus in Ephesians 6? Ephesians 6, verses 19 and 20, he says, Pray also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. He says, That's what I am. I'm an ambassador, even in chains, that I may declare the gospel boldly as I ought to speak. We need to pray for our missionaries that they would clearly and boldly share the good news of Jesus Christ, no matter what circumstance they find themselves in. Pray for them to clearly preach the gospel. Number seven, how do we pray for our missionaries? Pray that God will open hearts around them. Pray that God will open hearts around them. 
verses 16 and 17, Paul is preaching the gospel. He's expounding upon God's plan of salvation. And then we come to verse 48. And Luke gives us a a glimpse of what took place. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. This verse reminds us that salvation comes only from the Lord. And while we pray for our missionaries to to preach the gospel, to be faithful to the gospel, to be filled with God's spirit, this verse reminds us that it's only God that can save. So we pray and we ask the Lord to change the hearts, to change the lives, to open the eyes of those that they're desperately trying to reach. We pray that the Lord would save the lost that they're investing their lives in. Paul is preaching the gospel here in Acts 13. The Jews predominantly are rejecting it, but he finds an audience with the Gentiles. He finds that that they'll listen, that they'll think, that they'll consider. And as the gospel is going out, God is using his word to call people to life in his son. They were rejoicing, glorifying, and as many as were appointed to eternal life, they believed. We are asking God to save sinners through the work of these missionaries. It's God who saves. Pray that God will open hearts and blinded eyes. Number eight, how do we pray for our missionaries? Pray that God will give them joy in the midst of suffering and slander. Pray that God will give them joy in the midst of suffering and slander. It's amazing to me as we read about Paul's missionary journeys, it's like riding a roller coaster in an amusement park. I mean, you're, you're seeing the work, you're going up the hill, you know, you're chugging along. And man, you get to the top and it's like, yes, yes. And then in the very next verse, it's like, oh no, we're back down again. And it's up and it's down and it's up and it's down. Paul has preached the gospel and Gentiles have heard they're rejoicing and glorifying the Lord. They believed. Verse 48 tells us the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. This is glorious. We come to verse 50. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. Luke tells us they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Chapter 14, the journey goes on. At Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed, man, we're, we're high again. But then verse 2, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. It's an unrelenting fight. The enemy is always out to oppose. He's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. 
He stands in opposition to the advancement of the gospel. Yes, victories are won, battles we win, but the enemy is still there just around the corner. So how do we pray for our missionaries knowing that to be the case? Pray they would have joy. Joy. Luke tells us that the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Joy in the Holy Spirit. I imagine if our missionaries would be honest with us, there are many seasons in which they, they feel alone, they feel helpless, they feel hopeless, they feel ill-equipped and ill-prepared for the task that's before them. They see a victory and then the enemy is right square in their face again. It's deflating, it's difficult. How do they carry on? How do they continue in this difficult task of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth? With joy. With joy. So we pray that their hearts will be filled with joy. That the joy of the Lord would be their strength. We pray that they would find joy even in the midst of suffering and slander. Number nine. How do we pray for our missionaries? Pray for supernatural power to accompany them. Pray for supernatural power to accompany them. Verse 3. So they remained for a long time there at Iconium, even in the midst of the Jews stirring up the Gentiles and poisoning their minds against them. They remained a long time, Luke tells us, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. For many of our missionaries who are serving on the far frontiers, in places where the opposition for the gospel is sometimes the strongest, We need to pray, pray that God would grant supernatural power. I know sometimes it's bad, just this kind of wigs us out a little bit. Signs and wonders done by their hands. What do we do with this supernatural element of the the advancement of the gospel here? Clearly, it's the word of God that brings about the work of God. But sometimes for that word to get a hearing, God opens a door by doing a, a mighty work in the presence of those that they're trying to reach. And as that miracle is performed, as that sign or that wonder is done, man, an audience is gained. So we need to pray. We need to pray to a God who is all-powerful, that according to his plan and according to his perfect ways, that when the time is right and if the need is there, that God would do a great and a mighty supernatural work to open doors which no man could shut for them, that would give an audience for the gospel to be heard. We need to pray for God's power to bless them, to go with them, to push back the enemy that stands against them. Pray for supernatural power to accompany them. Number 10, how do we pray for them? Pray for humility in service. Pray for humility in service. 
Luke tells us that the people of the city were divided. Some were with the Jews, some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of uh, Laconia, to the surrounding country, and there they continued to preach the gospel. Luke then tells us that Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. As Paul has performed this miracle, this man's life has been transformed and changed. It opened a door for them to speak. But these Lyconians, they were wanting to deify Paul and Barnabas now. They were, they were wanting to say, man, you guys are the gods who are here. You guys have come down to us. And of course, Paul and Barnabas uh, this, this is completely against what their aim is. Luke tells us in verse 14, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, telling them, why are you doing these things? We're men just like you are. You should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Paul and Barnabas want to be clear. It's not about them, but it's about God. It's about the living God, the creator God, the saving God. They wanted to exalt him and lay themselves low. We need to pray for our missionaries to have humility in service. That they would remember that should God grant success, should God's power move, should the enemy be pushed back and souls are being saved and lives being changed, that it's still all about God. It's still all about him. Pray for their humility in service. Number 11, pray the Lord would grant them patience and perseverance. Patience and perseverance. Verses 19 and 20, but Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. Paul just couldn't escape them sometimes. They were tracking him down and they persuaded the crowds. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derby. Missionary work, gospel work, isn't always easy work, nor is it always safe work. Paul knew that. But what we see here in Paul is a missionary who displayed perseverance. And what a perseverance it was. I, I don't know if they'd have thrown rocks at me thinking they'd killed me, that I'd got up and gone back in the city the next day. I probably said, y'all can have it. Paul gets up and goes back into the city. And then he goes on from there and continues on in this effort, in this journey to get the gospel out. He's not deterred. He has patience and perseverance. Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 4, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. 
I'm always mindful of the missionary endeavor of William Carey. He's recognized as the father of the modern missions movement. He would take the gospel to India, a place where there was no gospel presence or little gospel presence, if any at all, in his day. He would take the gospel to India, and he would labor there for many years, for many years. But he would not see his first convert. He would not see the first native come to faith in Christ for seven years. For seven years, he labored with no fruit, no harvest. In that time, he would lose wife, he would lose child, he would face many other hardships and difficulties, battles, but yet he persevered, he pressed on. And seven years into it, he finally, finally had a convert. But from there, the gospel would go out. And through his labor and through his effort, through his perseverance, he would reach the country of India. He would spark a movement of mission work literally across the globe. But it came because he persevered. Gospel work sometimes is slow work. I think that's one of the reasons why Scripture always uses the illustration of farming. Planting, sowing, reaping, harvesting. Springtime is upon us and some of you will be putting your seeds into the ground. Put your tomato plants out, wanting a good tomato sandwich here this summer. Planting your corn so you can have some corn on the cob. But you know as well as I do, just because you put that plant or that seed in the ground doesn't mean tomorrow you're going to go and pull the tomato or ear of corn. So it is with gospel work. Just because we sow the gospel today doesn't mean we're going to reap a harvest tomorrow. No, there's labor and toil. There's work that goes in and perseverance must accompany it all. So we pray for them. We pray that in the midst of all the setbacks, the heartache, the difficulties, the seemingly uh, non-advancement of the gospel that they carry on, pray for perseverance. And then finally, number 12, how do we pray for them? Pray that they would make strong disciples and strong churches. Pray that they would make strong disciples and strong churches. In verse 21, Acts 14, Luke tells us, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, and to Iconium, and to Antioch. So they reversed track, went back to the same places they'd been chased out of, strengthening, Luke tells us in verse 22, the the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. The work of missions isn't merely about saving souls, although that's paramount, imperative. The work of missions and the work of church planting is about making strong disciples and strong churches. 
It was the commission that Jesus gave his apostles that he gives to us still today. Go and make disciples. And that's what we see Paul, Barnabas doing here on this missionary journey. Yes, they were winning the lost. And yes, they were rejoicing in the life transformation that was coming through those who were believing in Christ. But they were discipling them as well. They were strengthening, Luke said in verse 22, the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, even in the face of the tribulations that they were encountering. They were laboring to build up strong churches. They appointed elders for them in every church, committing them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So as we pray for our church planning partners, as we pray for the North American Mission Board missionaries, as we pray for our international church planning partners, we're praying. Lord, let them labor to make strong disciples and build strong churches for you. Strong disciples and strong churches. I hope as you'll continue to pray for the Annie Armstrong offering this week that you'll use some of these considerations tonight to help you pray for the missionaries that are in the prayer guide, to pray for the missionaries on our prayer guide, to pray that God will bless them as they take the gospel to others. Let's pray tonight. Heavenly Father, we bow before you tonight, thanking you for your word. Father, we pray tonight that we would be people who strive together in prayer with missionaries. Father, those that you have called out, those that you have set apart to take the gospel to people and places where it's desperately needed. Father, we pray, Lord, that they would have confidence in your word. We pray that they would be filled with your spirit. Father, we pray that they would prevail in the fight, that they would fight the good fight of faith. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would help them to see success in all that they do as they share the gospel. Lord, we pray that their relationships, husbands and wives, fellow workers, Lord, that you would guard them and that that would not be a place of difficulty or distraction, of division. But Father, those relationships would be places of encouragement, of strengthening. We pray that you would give them relationships with unbelievers, Lord, that could be used to advance the sharing of the gospel. Give them favor with the cultures that they're taking the gospel to. Father, we pray that they would preach clearly and boldly the good news of Jesus Christ. And Lord, as that gospel goes out, that you would open hearts, that you would open eyes, that you would open ears. Father, only you can save. And so we pray that you would use them as instruments in your hand, that you would use the word that they proclaim to bring life to those who are spiritually dead. And Father, in the midst of the, the hurts and the heartaches, the difficulties, the despair that they may face in their labors, we pray, may they, may they be filled with joy. Joy that comes from Jesus. A joy that's unshakable. A joy that will always, always accompany them and keep them pressing on. Father, we pray, God, that your power would go with them. 
Father, we, we pray, Lord, that you would open doors that no man could shut, that you would open platforms, that you would open avenues, Lord, that would give them opportunity to boldly preach the gospel, to have an audience that would be receptive to your word. Father, we pray that as they do that, Lord, as you save, as fruit is born, that they would humble themselves still. That the fame, the honor, and the glory would be for you and for you alone. Father, we pray that you would grant them perseverance. Lord, I know that many times the work that they do is is long, it's tiring, it's difficult. Father, help them to carry on. Let them remain steadfast. Let them remain always abounding in your work. And Father, we pray that the end result, the end of their labors would be that strong disciples are made. Men and women whose lives have been transformed by the gospel. Churches established that would be pillars of light in their community. Churches that would bring you glory. Father, we pray for our mission partners here at Poplar Springs. We pray for those who serve through the North American Mission Board. We thank you for the privilege that we have of giving to them this upcoming Sunday. Father, we pray that you would use them in a great way. Lord, be with us now as we go from this place. Let us go and make much of you in all that we do, for we ask it tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.